Hello and welcome along to Clare FM's Sideline View. It's Derry Clint Ritchie for the next hour. Coming up on the show, we look ahead to Clare's National Ladies Football League campaign as they make the trip to Wexford for the opening round game on Sunday afternoon. It's a big weekend also for Avenue United as they go to Tala for the fifth round of the FAI Junior Cup and the race for the league titles here in Clare begin to pick up pace as well. We'll chat to Kilmehill's Eilish Considine after her retirement from the AFLW. We'll get an update on the Winner House and Innes project for Clare GAA. And Alan Troy will be along with Greyhound Focus. Delighted to be looking ahead to the start of the new intercounty ladies football season. Clare making the trip to Wexford for their Division 3 opener. Manager Wayne Freeman back in situ, back in action. Uh, I'd say, Wayne, it, it hardly ever stopped, did it? You, did you get some few months of downtime anyway? I think I got a couple of weeks, yeah, towards the end, <laughs> at the end of the year. Um, got a week anyways with the family in Portugal, so that was nice to catch up with them almost nearly, <laughs> you know. Um, they get neglected a little bit throughout the year when it comes to football, so um, good to kind of spend a bit of time with them, um, you know, kind of recover myself a little bit mentally and emotionally and and start getting back into the club game myself. So, yeah, I know, look, I had a little bit of a break at the end, but look, football nearly never stops when you're kind of at the inter-county level between club and county. It's kind of, it's nearly right around the year that you're you're going at it. But, look, yeah, I love football anyway, so it doesn't really, I don't really look at it that way too much. Um, but, um, yeah, look, good to be back. Good to be back on with the girls. Um, and we're excited about the year ahead. When you had that first meet-up to look ahead to this season, has last year been referenced? Is that something that's going to be a driving force? Yeah, we reference it once or twice, but yeah, we don't tend to look back too much and we don't tend to look too far forward either. We're, you know, I suppose it's one thing that was a really positive, a good positive for us last year was that we were we were able to stay present right throughout the year and, and take one, one week at a time. It's something that we got very good at because you can lose the run of yourself very quickly. We can't do anything about last year now. Um, we can't do anything about the championship in, in June right now either. So we can only focus on the league and, and take the league step by step. Um, we've a few new players in. Um, a few new player, players have left. So we have a small bit of a change in the squad. But more of the case looking back on last year is just to try and improve because we know if we don't improve, you know, we're probably going to get worse because I don't think any team stays the same. So... We have to think about new ideas and how we go, how we're going to play, without changing the wheel too much, you know, because we done a lot of good last year, and um, we played some good football, especially in the championship. I thought we were really good, um, at times in the championship. So, you know, it's not about recreating the wheel in that regard, but just changing a few things because I think the dynamic has probably changed from our point of view. From we went from probably hunting the top teams last year just because of the view that people had on us, you know, that people probably didn't give us much of a chance just because of the turnover. So we were able to go and, and, and hunt these teams down and, and, and keep nice and quiet to ourselves and understand that we were still good enough to get to all these finals and, you know, potentially good enough to win them. Whereas this year, you're thinking that these teams are going to be hunting us, so we're going to have to be better, going to have to play better. Um, and we're going to have to be ready for that. So, you know, that's a challenge in itself and it's something exciting that we're looking forward to. And, um, yeah, we're looking forward to getting going at this point. Changes in the panel, but also changes on the sideline. You've you've added to the backroom team. Yeah, Graham has come in. Um, Graham Shine, he was the manager of Limerick previous two years um, with Kerry before that. Um, so he's been a great addition. Uh, Grania Travers on board as a nutritionist as well for, for the season. So she's she's brought something nice to the... Uh, management as well so I think the players are really enjoying working with both of them Um, you know the three of us from last year um, myself Brian and Lee we've done a lot with them and you know freshness and a fresh voice is always good fresh ideas um, a different perspective you know a different viewpoint and you know the, just the Graham's expertise in the performance side of it is, is going to help us this year. You know, I think we're in a really good place physically already, which is exciting. Um, the girls have been really enjoying what he's doing with them. Um, so, yeah, look, it's been a nice few weeks. and We've worked actually very hard. Um, we've probably put our foot down a little bit harder um, this time than we had last year um, because we viewed the league a little differently last year than we have this year. Um, but we're very excited for the year ahead. Look at and it is step by step. It's it's national league first, and then after that, then we worry about everything else after that. 
And while, you know, you, you'd have been there competing at a high enough level and so would a lot of the girls in, in various guises as well, to have someone like Graham that's that's been there at, at senior level, that's that's faced the likes of a Dublin, that, that knows what all that's about, I mean, that's great for everybody involved to lean on, I would imagine. Yeah, absolutely. And look, at the language that he uses around them, um, being very specific towards things that we do need to get better at physically, you know, um, and some of it's not even physically, some of it's just mentally doing these things because physically... We're actually quite an athletic team. We're quite a powerful team. And it's actually more of a thing of just actually doing these things and doing them repetitively and believing in ourselves that we can do certain things that we're trying to bring. Um, so from that side of it, it it's been really good. Um, and they've been working quite hard under him. And, you know, he's been, he's been really enjoying working with them as well. We have a really, really good, honest group that they're a real joy to work with. So from that regard, he's really enjoying being in with us as well. So... It's actually fitted quite nicely, and um, probably it's probably happened a lot smoother than you know you would imagine because, uh, like anything, you're always taking a small risk bringing in anyone that you haven't worked with before. You can only go on reputation, so um, we're all quite happy that it has transitioned quite smoothly, and yeah, we're looking forward to working with him for the year. And as you say, that National League campaign coming up, we'll talk about Wexford in a while, but I guess in an overall sense, like you would have learned an awful lot from last year as to how to handle this league. If memory serves correct, there was a good start up around Sligo direction last year and then, you know, it came to a fairly dramatic conclusion, obviously. So I guess it's about managing those highs and lows and, and balancing them out somewhat. Yeah, look, at we know that the, the division is quite competitive and, and teams are going to be other teams and, and everyone is quite in and around the same level so you know you're looking at around the 12 13 point mark that we need to be hitting to give us a chance of a final so you know that's that's your starting target but every every week you go out and try and win the game and, and we we were very good at just going week by week and not actually looking you know too far ahead of you know where you're going to pick up points or whatever it's literally week by week and, and we try and win every game. Now, last year probably gave us a, a really good experience of the highs and lows because we we really dominated Sligo in the opening day. But, you know, opening day fixtures are, are they're strange enough ones because you just don't know where anybody is at until you get out onto the pitch. And, you know, Wexford and ourselves will be the same at the moment. You know, we can look at training and our challenge games and be really, really happy with what's happening. But until we go out, into a competitive game we only really know where we're at at that point and I suppose we maybe got our tails up too early last year with the Sligo win and then we got brought back down to earth by Wexford in Curraclare so you know that was probably good for us in some ways that we had to literally rally behind each other and, and understand that you know the work wasn't done at that point um, Kildare beat us then the following week in Curraclare as well but we performed a lot better and then as the league progressed we kept getting better and better and that's something that we have to do now. If we can get a good start and then continuously improve throughout the league, we have a really good chance of getting to a league final and potentially winning it. So, and look at there's two two up two down this year. So there's an added there's an added prize there for us at the end. You know, I probably I've been advocating it for years that there should be two up two down in the leagues in the women's the same as the men. So this year um, there is. So we have a great opportunity getting promotion, and that's you know something that we need to be getting. Claire because we've good footballers and for them to improve you've got to be continuously getting up the grades and playing higher level of football so yeah that's something that we're looking to do that's uh, someone was obviously listening to you then because I think everybody was flabbergasted last year at uh, that structure so that's that's really welcome I guess we often call for change and point out flaws but you have to kind of applaud when somebody puts up their hands and says yeah let's do it this way yeah well I think a lot of counties were, were, were crying for it because you know, the one up, one down is more rewarding teams that are not doing good enough. You know, they're keeping teams in divisions that were maybe only winning one game out of seven. You know, that's not really good enough. So teams that were getting to the league finals were getting no reward for it. Now, ourselves last year was quite dramatic, obviously, because we went down to the last kick of the ball in extra time. And then after eight games and going down to the very last second of the eighth game, we get nothing out of it. Um, it's, that's, you know, disappointing. And I think we're good enough to be in Division 2 and, you know, we're good enough to play in senior football. But, you know, it is what it is. And I think finally they've got it over the line after a couple of years of the county's advocating for it. So, yeah, no, it is very welcome. And you I mean you talk about Wexford, you talk about teams that are going to be eyeing you up and, and looking to take you down. 
I'd say that Wexford are looking at Clare and saying, listen, we're we're in that top two or three position in this division. So there could be a case of both sides here looking looking at one another going, we might see you again. Yeah, absolutely. Look, it's a tasty one and a juicy one to open up, up the Division 3 campaign. I, I would think that out of fairness to both of us, you'd be thinking favourites for the league final, but I think we all know it doesn't work that way. Um, a lot of other teams be looking to take a scalp off us. I mean, down beat Wexford last year, um, in the league. So you know, down be looking at that differently. Um, you know, Wexford beat us. So Roscommon coming down, they're going to throw a spanner in there as well because look at Roscommon didn't probably have a great campaign on you know results basis, but if you actually go through the results, they really only lost the games by a pint in Division Two. So, you know, they were very competitive and probably a little bit unlucky in some of the games. So, you know, they're going to be very hard bet as well. So, yeah, look, at there's a lot of teams that are going to be looking at that league final and trying to take a scalp off each other. We just try and have to try and get points on the board as early as we possibly can and then keep building on that. And that's the only job we have this weekend. It's Clare Ladies football manager Wayne Freeman there ahead of their trip to Wexford on Sunday. That game has a two o'clock start and we'll bring you updates across the afternoon. Now we're heading out East Clare direction where a great night is in store out in Lochraney Community Hall on Saturday evening. A fairly unique event and I'm delighted to say that the Kilinena chairman Pat Hayes is with me to have a little look ahead to it and a few other bits as well. But uh, Pat, you might just explain exactly what's going on Saturday night. Well, I suppose we, I suppose we're one of the smaller clubs in the county, Kilinina club. But uh, I suppose we often think we box above our weight at times, and uh, I suppose when we were looking at the All Stars this year, we were saying to ourselves, "Well, what a unique occasion this is! Uh, three All Stars with connections to our club and our parish, uh, namely John Conlon, Conor Whelan, and Shane O'Donnell. All their parents having to played with the parish with the Kilinina club." Uh, Pat Conlon and Martin O'Donnell and Caroline Whelan having played with the Camogie team in Kilinina and having their three sons being all-stars, we said we need to honour these people and their connection to our community is very much prevalent with their uncles and aunts and connections all living in the community and we said we'd have a night to celebrate their achievements and that's what's happening next Saturday night in, in the community hall in Flagmont and I suppose that's where, that's the background to really and I think it's a unique occasion, really, for any community. While there'll be celebrations in Clonlara and Erog and Kinvara, uh, this is a, a neutral ground, really, uh, very much bringing all those key people together. And I suppose celebrating what's good about hurling as well and celebrating what's about good about community. And, you know, the town that they're all connected to is in fact Cullum Keys, and the Irish Independent wrote a wonderful article about that area and the all the connections to hurling when you hear on a regular basis and you had Donald Toohey, Adrian Toohey and the late Nyla Donoghue who was a cousin of, of Conor Whelan's as well and you continue on today you have Keith Smith who also lines out for our county and then you had Ronan Keane who was a member of that uh, minor winning team from that area so it'd be a huge amount of connections uh, connected to hurling uh, and we're very proud of them here in our in our club and we just felt it was important to celebrate that. We have we have had previous nights for, for other people, but I think this is a very unique one for our club. Yeah, it certainly is. When people use phrases like a hurling heartland, Pat, you're after detailing there exactly why. Well, I suppose maybe when they were all growing up, there wasn't a lot more to do at the time, but there's a great pedigree there, like, and the the fact that that Conor Whelan and Shane O'Donnell are related and John Conlon was their neighbour uh, 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 family in Faha and all that. It really is a pedigree. And, you know, when we, we're very proud of our club here and we go out and hurdle as a, as a team for our community. But then we sit back and look at our county players and we, when Aerog might be playing Clonlara, um, we're wondering, well, is it Shane O'Donnell or John Conlon? And when we have Claire playing Galway, then we have uniqueness as well when Conor Whelan and lying out again, Shane, his cousin Shane O'Donnell and John Conlon. Uh, so that's the uniqueness in itself. And what's even great is continue, continuing on to a newer group of younger people that are continuing on the trend as well. And I suppose when we won the under-21A with Fiegel uh, in our underage recently, it was a great tribute to all those people and it shows great heart and commitment from the young people as well, keeping the tradition alive. 
And it's, I think it's it's apt, Pat, that you mentioned the next generation on that because we we can see it across the board, east, west, north, south, doesn't matter. Numbers are an issue in small rural clubs. Keeping lads local is an issue in small rural clubs. So when you're able to, you know, make connections like this to these boys, what your own lads are doing on the county scene, that's all so vital to make sure that it might happen again in 5, 10 or 15 years' time. Well, I suppose... If I remember doing it in under uh, minor hurler final or under seventeen, I think down in in Milik, we were playing uh, Christine Tubber uh, last year, and uh, well, two years ago now, I suppose, and we were playing a final. It went extra time, and Ronan Keane shouldn't have actually played that day; he was sick, and that was a C championship. But he turned around and, and went on and won a a Monster A and an All Ireland A minor championship after that. So it shows that. If you give commitment and you have skill and time to it, you can progress and win as well. It's not all about winning, but it's actually keeping the traditions alive as well. But people like to see success and they love to see when, when their own people in their own community are celebrated and honoured as well and, and actually achieve something. And I think we are a small club, but we, we, we work very well at Underage with Fecal. And that, that shows in itself that we keep the tradition alive and try and keep people involved in hurling like there is a lot of challenges out there to try and keep smaller clubs alive but I suppose Kilinena has a great history of of doing that and continues to do it over the years and we're only as chairman I'm only part of a team that has always been part through the years all the people that have contributed over the years to the development of our fields and all that as well so this is this is this is one of those unique events that we all have great joy for ourselves as a community celebrating. Yeah, and I know as well that when you talk about planning for the future and, and having those facilities in place for the young lads coming through, constant development within clubs, that's another challenge that's there as well. And and something I know, Pat, that you're kind of tackling head on now as well, there's a, a bit of a launch as well in terms of what the next steps might be. Yes, I suppose the... like. And having young people hurling and keeping teams, there's an expectation now that we bring them up to standards and, and have that standards out there for, for visiting teams and for our own teams and the progression of youth as well. So we have a very ambitious plan for our field and our facilities in Kilanina. And I think you might have stood a few times in Kilanina. It's probably one of the best fields mm-hmm. and the largest fields in, in the county. Uh, and I suppose there was great due to the people that, that that put their efforts behind it and getting it to that level. But I suppose like all facilities, they need upgrading. And we were successful last year in getting some sports capital funding and some car funding as well. So now we have to go on and develop that and generate some funding ourselves as well to match it. So our plan is to start very soon in the spring now in, in that development work in terms of upgrading our stand and putting in our running tracks and dugouts and, and goalposts and all that and upgrading them. So I suppose we're using this occasion as well to just remind people that while you have success, you there is a cost at certain times to actually get to that. And we'd hope that the goodwill and, uh, of the community, which has always been supportive of our GA and our community, uh, and uh, I think we're hoping that we'll be able to get a good balance as well and people will proactively get engaged to support our pro- ambitious programme ahead. Uh, that can often be a thing that had bond the parish as well, Pat, and you'd have seen that down the years, that when there's a physical thing that you can go and see where your money is going towards and you can then see on the field the benefit that it's having, it's much easier then for people to buy into it, isn't it? Well, I think, uh, I suppose, if you turn aside at all uh, and, and get to that level, people like to see development. And I suppose people might have said, well, you've got this money, but you happen to spend. But as you know too well, and every club knows, you have to have backup money as well. And you have to spend it to get it and all that. So we need to generate a good degree of money. But I think it's not all about money. It's about getting the facilities up to standards that that we're proud of ourselves as a community. Uh, And we have had a good lot of development works over the years, uh, but they need a a refresh and they need to be upgraded. And our next phase after that then is to put in a gym and and a further upgrade of our clubhouse. So that's phase, there's a number of phases. They're all coming together this year. And please God, we're out now tendering at the moment to try and get the worst done as, uh, in the coming months. And I think, look at, we have a big night coming up in in, 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 in February as well, the celebration presentation of medals are under 21s. And that all generates goodwill as well. So look at, we're hoping that, uh, uh, and in fairness to all other community groups in the parish, they're supportive as well. And there isn't, there isn't anything else, a major project going on at the same time. So, 
you need to do that in a small communities to try and balance and work together as a community. In the end, it's about building up our communities and keeping our facilities up to standard as required now. Yeah, I think to be fair, Pat, you're a, you've been a leading light in what you've done underage in Fecal and Killinina, two proud East Clare areas that would have loved to stand on their own two feet. But obviously, a decision was taken for the betterment of both communities to join together. And what brilliant success that has been, like the, the 21A title that number of years ago. And again, this year out in Tulla on a fabulous morning with a brilliant game of hurling. It's a real advertisement, I feel, as to if you're a small community that needs that little bit of help from your neighbour, don't be afraid to ask because ultimately you're going to see the, the likes of progression that Fecal Kilinena have seen. Yeah, well, look at it. A lot of a lot of things came our way this year in terms of under 21. And I suppose sometimes there's a degree of sadness. We lost a, a great club man, Sean O'Callaghan. And the game was deferred for a week. And I suppose we got to play a number of players, Keith Smith and other people came to play, Ron and Keane kept, got to play against Clooney. And it gave us that bounce. And I think there was a sense of going out again that Clooney to actually say, we're going to do this for Sean. And we went all the way to the final and, and won it. And that sense of purpose was there with, with our community in Fiedland and Killinina to actually go out and, and deliver. And Sean's son was part of that on the 21 team as well. So look at... Community and GA are all part of putting your arms around people and minding them and helping them and supporting them as well. And I think this is what we feel in our club anyway that we try to do. And um, I suppose we try and keep our flag flying from the previous generations and keep it going for the future ones. That's the important thing to us. Yeah, and as you say, then Saturday evening uh, in Loch Rainey Community Hall at half past seven, uh, John Conlon, Conor Heen and Shane O'Donnell, they're the, the guests of honour. Uh, what can people expect on the night? Is it a kind of a, a question and answer session with the three boys? Yes, there'll be a question and answer session and there will be, I suppose, look at the usual things. Uh, all the kids in the schools are very hyper at the moment <laughs> when they heard about their, their, their heroes coming. Uh, you know, like you see them on matches and you buy pay money to go with them and all that, but you never, you can get their signature in the field, but you, when you have them in your own community, this is a unique occasion for us and we're all looking forward to it. Uh, it'll be about an hour long event and sure there'll be lots of cups of tea and lots of chats and I'm sure hundreds of pictures but at the same time it's it's about honouring the three guys uh, for their wonderful achievement and we're extremely proud as a community of them uh, of them three men and, and all the people that have gone before them and their future generations as well so this is because we think we have a unique event so please God it'll go that way Chair of Killinina GAA Club, Pat Hayes. Uh, thanks for taking the time to talk to us here on Sideline View and the very best of luck with that event on Saturday evening. Now, it is another massive weekend for Avon United in the FEI Junior Cup as they make the trip to the capital to take on Tally United. Delighted that manager David Russell with us uh, to look ahead to it. David, no doubt, uh, an exciting week, I guess, building up to a fixture like this. It's always exciting, especially when you're on the road, which I think, looking back the last couple of years, I think we've been drawn away. 12 of the last 13 times in the open draw so it's nothing um, it's nothing new for us it's always every time we speak it's all about the logistics getting the timing right and everything but um, yeah away up to Tallinn now Saturday at 2 o'clock um, we went up to watch them on last Saturday to see them play they played Collinstown they won 3-0 so it'll be an interesting match up for sure yeah, I'm just wondering what's the thought process then when it, when that draw comes out and you know you have that road trip immediately. Are you on Google Maps? Are you looking at fixtures? Are you trying to find out everything you can? Like the second the draw comes out, Oliver's doing his research. The players are doing their research. We get on to PJQO. He's always providing the transport for us. Where we stop, what time we do it, where we're even going to go afterwards. So everything is taken care of. Then we go try to watch them play, which we did on Saturday. So um, yeah, they're a competent side. Uh, they're top of their division. They've played eight, won eight. So they're going to be no mugs. I can't imagine any team in the last 32 would be. So it's going to be a tough fixture. We, as usual, we've um, a bit of homework done and hopefully looking forward to a good game then on Saturday. Yeah, and I guess from a manager's point of view, no doubt you'd have been disappointed to be 1-0 down at half-time against Tulla, but you must have been very proud in the way the players stuck the head down and got the neck out at the finishing line to, to take that 3-1 victory. Uh, we were, yeah, we were. Um, it was a, very much a squad game. We were down a number of bodies through injuries and unavailability. Um, so the big squad that we had was utilised. We used the five subs that we had and everybody came in and made a good impact. There was no panic, even at 1-0 down. The halftime team talk was good. It was positive, um, even from the players' perspective. There was no panic, which is a good sign of maturity 
and overall we deserved to get the victory but the patience and the composure was key in that half time and then as I said we pushed on and got the three points so everything sets us up nice for the week ahead now yeah, but that that battling quality, like I mean, to be now going to Dublin and knowing that you're you're going to need that at some stage in a game, I've no doubt you knew it was there. But it must have been nice to see it in person, so close to this fixture. It has been, yeah. It's um, it's the first time we've gone behind actually in a number of games. So as you say, the the battling qualities, but it's the maturity too. You've leaders all through there: Conor Mullen, Dylan, Nah, Stevie McGann, Ronan. All of these lads, they've been through it numerous times, so it's just another game. It's always going to be battling Clare, no matter who you're playing. Every team you play is a rival, so they're always going to be up for it. So it sets us up lovely for a big battle up in Tallaght. They'll have a big crowd. They had a big crowd following them last Saturday. So it'll be a nice, intense game up there, but something we're looking forward to, as always. And, and just looking at a couple of your games this year, like it seems as if you have threats no matter what way a team wants to play. You know, if they, if they want to do defensive stuff, you can do that. I mean, you've threats from set pieces. Obviously, Stephen getting on the scoreboard through a free kick with a, a nice finish as well. You know, that's in the locker. So you seem to have a few strings to the bow that you can pull on. We do, I suppose, as you know yourself, Derek, from where you're from and where I'm from, and there'd always be labels of soft townies or soft this and that. Um, I don't think any team I ever played on was soft and I can't see any accusations of softness being levels at Avenue. We have physical men, men that can look after themselves on and off the pitch, but we've also got plenty of soccer players. So as you say, we can mix it with the best of them, but we can play soccer with the best of them as well. Stevie coming in gives us that extra level of craft and guile and uh, expertise, I suppose, as you can see with the free kick. It was brilliant. You've got Na who can play soccer, but it's a powerhouse. You've Ron and you've Elias. All big physical men. You've Dylan, who's a great soccer player too. So we can we can go both ways if needs be. Hopefully it'll be a nice, lovely game of soccer on Saturday and we come out the right side of it. But if it degenerates into a battle, we have the men for that as well. Yeah, and I guess just finally on that point, we don't know. It's one thing we can't predict uh, is how conditions will be. I think there's a turn promised at the weekend and I know we're still in the darkest so will the game be played on Astro or, or Grass? Like So, I mean, it's important that you have all those strings in the bow because that could dictate a bit of it too, couldn't it? It could. We saw them play Saturday on Grass and then we actually went over to where the game is supposedly on, on Astro up in the Sacred Hearts. So we've seen both places and we've seen them playing on grass. So it's going to be it's going to be no issue. It's going to be no complaint, whatever. They have to let us know by Wednesday. We train on grass and we train on Astro twice a week. So it's not going to be any invariable. It's not going to catch us out. I know it's going to be cold for the next couple of days, but we've all our homework done. All the logistics are done. So a good two nights of training this week, a bit of a team meeting, and we'll go from there. And hopefully I'll be talking to you next week in the last 16. Now, there were the thoughts of Avenue manager David Russell ahead of their trip to Dublin on Saturday afternoon. Uh, to look ahead to that game and indeed plenty on the uh, Premier Division and First Division and down along as well. Uh, delighted to have Jim Madden on the line. Uh, Jim, we'll start with that trip to the capital for David Russell's side. Another away journey. That doesn't seem to bother them though, but uh, no doubt they will have their research done. As David said there, they'll be well aware of what's coming down the track. Uh, they will indeed. I mean, Tala would uh, the, the Avenue have played a lot of away games in the FAI over the last couple of years. And uh, while Telling United are a very big club, their first team plays in the Leicester Senior League. Their junior team are top of their own Saturday League division. But uh, with And with the size of the squad and the people are available to them, they are capable of posing a serious threat to Avenue. However, in my opinion, anyway, this is a very strong, experienced Avenue team and they are very focused on the job in hand, I would imagine. Uh, they, they should win. Players such as Dylan Casey, Stephen McGann, Conor Mullen, uh, Mark Roach and Nah and uh, Elias Guns are playing very well at the moment and they're capable of getting a result and advancing to the sixth round. And I'm looking forward to seeing them win this uh, maybe just not with too much to spare, but definitely winning it. Yeah, they'd take uh, no matter what way it comes, I'd say they'd take the results. And like is it the kind of game where okay, it's a two o'clock start, it's it's not overly early, but at the same time, you know, there's a loosening out period will probably be involved in this. I know they'll probably stop somewhere on the way up, way up and, and, and maybe stretch the legs a little bit, but is it a case of surviving the first twenty, twenty five minutes and then trying to start to, to ratchet up their game plan? Uh, it is indeed. I mean, there's no doubt that uh, uh, Teller will see this as uh, a chance, maybe, that the uh, team coming up from Clare. Uh, I think in Dublin, they still feel that Clare soccer teams are not really at the top level, but they should have learned that over the last couple of years with Oscar Trainer and then with Newmarket last year in the FAI as well. Uh, 
the other great thing is that with the traveller now and with Avenue very experienced and used to travelling, uh, they should have no problem. They, it's probably a two hour trip up. Uh, so for they'll allow to be there maybe twelve thirty. So it doesn't mean leaving at a at a very, very early time and they probably will stop, there is no doubt about that, and have a leg stretch and maybe a light bit to eat as well. So um, David is, has a very professional crew around him and I would imagine that uh, no stone will be left unturned to make sure they're in the sixth round draw after the weekend. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that he was touching on there was kind of how lads are this week after the game against Tulla uh, last weekend, how the bodies are, that bit of recovery. It's, it's a day less, obviously, as you said, they, it's Dublin. Uh, the Tala crew play on a Saturday, so that's why it was fixed on the Saturday. But I suppose that 24 hours wouldn't have made a whole pile of difference, would it? It shouldn't have. I mean, you are an experienced team. Um, and they were at home last Sunday as well. So therefore, there wasn't any great, there wouldn't have been any great stretch. I would imagine there might be one or two little strains and that kind of thing. But uh, they would have good physio and uh, available to them. And uh, they will be very prepared for this game on Saturday. Uh, David might play it down a little bit. But uh, I think they're, they're very focused. Uh, they're a serious bunch of guys and they will be really up for this on tomorrow at two o'clock. Yep. Talking as well about uh, provincial competitions then, just to touch on the Munster Youths Cup, uh, Bohemians versus Bridge United, that's on down in Bin Wadding Park, your Waterford officials for that one. Uh, it's a round four game. This Bridge United crew, they seem to be building something there. Uh, they are indeed. I mean, uh, Bridge United have two teams uh, at this level playing in the Clare League, which is a bit unusual, uh, which means that they really have a very good squad to pick from. Uh, they are playing good football. They're well coached. And uh, I would imagine that they'll go to Waterford uh, very well prepared and ready for this. And they'll be looking forward to getting to the next round of the Munster Youth Cup as well. That would be a very prestigious trophy to win. And I think the way Clare Soccer is at the moment, they're quite capable of doing that. That's uh, Sunday kickoff at two o'clock. Uh, plenty of big games then, Jim, that hold uh, a day about when the Cats away, the mouse will play. But in this time, it's when Avenue are away, the rest are going to try and make up ground. Uh, a couple of big games here in the uh, Premier. Uh, there is indeed a no bigger one than in at Newmarket again on Sunday morning when they play Shannon Town. Uh, both teams are playing quite well. Town will be very confident that they can get a result following a draw with Avenue there two weeks ago and then a win over Kilrush last Sunday. For their part, Newmarket will know that they have to play better than they did last Sunday. While they beat Lifford by three goals to nil and it looks very convincing, Lifford did let them off the hook. Uh, particularly by missing two penalties and having uh, their goalkeeper sent off. Uh, but I think Newmarket still have the experience and uh, the noose to win this because they do need to keep winning if they want to uh, win the title again in the Premier League. I was just going to ask that and we'll talk about the other two games in a second but um, and we mentioned it last Monday on, on the Morning Focus review like that OK Avenue are all these games ahead of, of Newmarket and, and all these points ahead but it, there's a bit of pressure on Newmarket now as you say like a, a couple of drop points here and there suddenly becomes that little bit more fatal when you're trying to chase doesn't it? It does indeed and I mean there's no doubt that Newmarket uh, there is a bit of pressure because they can't really afford a slip up because Avenue are, are, uh, have had only, have only been had draw, one draw, they haven't been beaten in the league. So, uh, yeah, and uh, Newmarket have a little bit of catching up to do. Uh, over the next couple of Sundays, I'd imagine they'll be playing every Sunday, uh, playing in the league. So they have a great chance to uh, close up on the number of games played. And they'll also want to make sure that when they get level with Avenue on the games played, that uh, they'll have dropped no points. And they are a very ambitious club there in the market. Now, the one thing I must say about the market, I was very impressed, Derek, at the quality of the pitch uh, last Sunday there. Now, we've had very bad weather, as you know, up to now. And uh, I just couldn't believe the condition of it. There is no doubt their ground staff do a fantastic job and uh, they deserve credit for what they're doing with their two pitches. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, other games in, in the Premier, Jim, uh, Kilrush and the Crag hosting them? 
Uh, yes, indeed. I mean, that's uh, Kilrush, they play Kilkishan. Uh, both teams are hard working sides. They're in the long, wrong side of the table, as the fellow said. But yeah, I think Kilrush are capable of winning this. Now, they have some injury worries and that, but uh, they have been close enough to uh, in a number of games. And I think that uh, if they get their act together and they get a bit of confidence, they could win this and move themselves up the table a little bit. But Kilkishan have always tended to be able to get draws. So it'll be a tough game. But I think Kilrush might be able to do that. While over in Tulla, then Tulla at home to Lifford. Uh, Tulla will be buoyed by the fact that they led Avenue last Sunday for quite a good bit of that game by one goal to nil. And then in the second half, Avenue... Uh, brought their experience to Kim and won by three goals to one. Lifford, for their part, will know that they were they have to be better than they were last Sunday when they were very poor indeed. But I think Tulla might just uh, they have the greater incentive, and I think Tulla might just get the three points there. Very good. We moved in just to have a chat about the first division briefly because it looks like a three-way uh, um, fight for that, I guess. In- Inch Crusaders top of the table with 18 points. Shannon Olympic second on 16. Ryan Rovers also on 16, but Shannon's goal difference uh, putting them in second spot there. All three of those in action this weekend and, and, and all three knowing points vital to keep it all up. Uh, they are indeed. I mean, uh, the Inch are uh, away down here in Shannon to play Shannon Town B. I think they should win that because I think Shannon Town B are struggling a wee bit. Uh, Shannon Olympic then, they're away to Bunratty, a local derby to all intents and purposes. But that Olympic have really built up a fairly serious squad. They are keen to get promoted and to keep themselves in the top two. So this is a game they have to win. And then Ryan Rovers are away in Mount Shannon. Uh, they're uh, again to hold their place in third position. I think they will be able to see off Mount Shannon. It's a long old trip up there, but uh, Mount Shannon are really struggling this season uh, completely. And then uh, Mohor Celtic are at home to Ennis Dons. Little to choose between the two of them, Derek, and I'm going for a draw there. So, uh, and then Avenue, the, 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 the New Market B then are at home to Sporting in a Diamond. Well, you'd have to imagine that home advantage should suit New Market B as Sporting are struggling a little bit this season as well. Yeah, Jim, we'll finish up then just a quick word on the second division uh, because this looks like a, a two-horse race for all the world because you've Fairgreen Celtic on 20 points, Manus Celtic on 14, but they do have two games in hand. Uh, both teams again in action this weekend and uh, once more, one will, look, will be looking for the other to draw points to see can they take advantage. Uh, they will indeed. I mean, Fair Green Celtic there at home to Bridge Celtic. Uh, I think it'll be another win for Bridge for Fair Green, and they will of course be revving themselves up for their outstanding game in the Munster Junior Shield, where they have to play that refix game with Capamore. I gather that's been fixed for the 27th of the month. Uh, the game is likely to be played in Limerick at. Uh, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the club, but it'll come to me eventually. Uh, and Manus Celtic then, they're away to Ferdinand Celtic. Manus need a win, as you said, there to keep in step with Fair Green at the top. I think both of them are capable of, uh, Manus are capable of winning that, uh, even though Ferdinand are uh, handy enough side. But Manus would have the bigger incentive, you'd have to imagine, there. And uh, the other game in that the third, second division, Avenue B, are at home to Hermitage, and then the Starby. And sure, we'll sit on the fence there and say it could be a draw, Derek. It might be the safer option. Then just to quickly round up the third division, you've Shannon Olympic top with 14 points. Callan uh, second on 14 as well, but they have a game in hand. And then Corrifin Harps on 12 also with that game in hand on the top team. So that one's tightening up a good deal as well. And uh, plenty of games across there. For now, though, busy weekend. And Jim, we'll uh, chat next week about it all again. We will indeed. Thanks, Derek. Now, while we are counting down to the start of the National Leagues for both the Clare Hurlers and footballers, we're also counting down to quite a big date from a county board and a wider GA since with the Winner House and Innes competition now rattling towards its conclusion. To get an update on how things are now inside the final 10 days or so, delighted to have Chairman of Clare GA, Kieran Keating, uh, on the line. Uh, Kieran, I suppose it's it's all systems going now for this big draw. Uh, good evening, yes, Derek, it is, and th- thanks for having me on. Yeah, the, um, Monday week, the 29th of January, is our draw date. Uh, we'll be holding the draw on that evening around uh, 7.45 to 8pm in the Woodstock Hotel. So, yeah, we're into our 10-day countdown now. Starts uh, tomorrow, basically, and uh, it's all it's all systems go. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're looking forward to it. And it's a busy time for, for clubs starting up the new year and so on, uh, and uh, all our members and that. But, uh, 
we've, we've certainly had a great response to the draw this year and, and uh, it looks like it's going to be a, a, a good success. Yeah, quite a body of work because obviously you got to the mountaintop last year with the winner house in Lahinch and then suddenly you're back to ground zero again where you're, you're starting off a new draw fresh. Must have seemed daunting at the time and I guess a, a great relief to come to this point now where things are going well. Yes, it is, Derek. I mean, in, in fairness, uh, I suppose we were, we were pleased with, with how Lahinch went went we made nearly half a million for the county board and, and, and the hundred and seventy five K for the clubs as well. So uh you know, so it was a bit easier to get the clubs behind this one and certainly our clubs have done better on the sales. You know, the last time our offline sales were only about a thousand tickets and we sold ten thousand online. You know, this time we're we're already over two thousand offline will be about two and a half thousand I think when we gathering what's what's out there sold now this weekend. And our online sales will also exceed the Lehinch one. We're, we're about 9,000 sales now. We, we did 10.5 in Lehinch, so, so we're certain we'll be um, hitting uh, probably over 12,000 online tickets. So, so all in all, you know, somewhere between 14 and 15,000, it's, it's quite possible we'll set out. We, we have a limit of 15,000 tickets, and, and I think, um, you know, next weekend, next Sunday or next Monday, we could, we could be saying, sorry, all sold. So uh, that, that's a, a great success if, if that transpires. Yeah, and are we looking at a similar profit margin then to, to what was there for the Hinch? Yeah, we we should make a, li- a little bit more, I suppose, than the Hinch because because of the higher sales, the clubs will make a, a similar sort of figure um, from from their endeavours, and the, the county board uh, should have you know north of a half million uh, to invest in the facilities in Carlow, and so yeah, it, it's a, it's a, a great success story for for our games and also for. Our ladies games, um, Camogie and ladies football, because it, it, it'll also allow us, uh, you know, more room and more facilities to be able to, to host um, our sister organisations and, you know, and, and, and prepare the pathway for integration of our codes uh, in the years to come. And as you touched on there, not just income for the county board, but also for the clubs. I mean, it's it's money not to be sniffed at. And, you know, you're, it's a, a double-edged sword when you're setting the ticket. You're profiting for both the board and your own club as well. So those, I suppose, that put in the, the spade work on it will see great rewards. That's right, yeah. And some of our clubs have, have done, very, done you know great work in selling. Uh, uh, cool Mean are, are the standout. They, they've sold over 150 tickets, you know, and they get 30 quid commission off each, off each of those. Um, offline tickets they sold, so so you know, so that's nearly five grand. There's also a draw for each of our clubs that sell 150, 100, or 50 tickets, uh, whatever category you come into. Um, there's a draw for five grand among our clubs, so so cool. I mean, we'll, we'll win that five grand for selling 150. There'll be a few clubs that exceed 100, so one of them will win five grand. Uh, and and the number of clubs that have exceeded 50 tickets will will also be in a draw for five grand. In addition to the commission, you know, so so there's a a win-win for the for the clubs in that, and obviously they're they're also um, raising that money for the county board, which is which is vital. And as you said, for the moment, tickets still available. Winnerhouse and Innes.com or your local club or anybody involved in the county board, they're the outlets to go to. Yes, that's it. Over this weekend, your club still has them, and then early next week, the, the offline tickets will be will be completed, and then it, it'll all be online until they sell out. And obviously, there's other prizes there in addition to the house as well. Done. Uh, I must mention the Woodstock Hotel and the wedding for 100 guests, our second prize, and then our All Ireland final weekend packages, and um, a few days in, in Trumpeton Bay as well. So there's, there's lots of other prizes there. Yeah, Winhouse and Innes.com is the website. If people haven't bought already, I'd encourage them to go on there. There's lots of videos there of the house itself and of uh, various uh, stars of past and present, just uh, encouraging you to, to support Claire GA, buy a ticket for the draw, and uh, let's all uh, raise the banner. Yeah, and just finally on that, I know we're talking here on Friday, I understand the, the, the those uh, box packages, uh, the, the prize boxes, they've been a, a fabulous idea to, to kind of boost people along week to week, and I think one of those reaching its conclusion this weekend. That's right, Derek. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, there, there's, um, yeah. So, so, yeah. We 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 did a nice Christmas box, which is tickets for concerts in in uh, Crow Park next year, as well as all Ireland final tickets and that, uh, which um, was won by by one of our members out in Agunlo. Uh So we we decided we'd do that for the the upcoming month um, championship game against Limerick, which will be a sellout game at Cusack Park. Tickets for that. Tickets for the Munster hurling final. People remember the hassle they was getting tickets last year. Uh, so you know, a couple of tickets for that, and tickets for the All Ireland hurling final. Hopefully, Claire will be there, but whether we are or not, 
we're, we're, we're giving somebody a bonus prize or two things. So everyone who's in the draw already is in that draw tomorrow night. And obviously anybody who's thinking of buying tickets this week or next week, well, you as well to buy it before uh, 8 o'clock tomorrow evening. And at least you're in for that bonus draw as well. And somebody, somebody has come out of the hat. The last two have been won by... Uh, clergy members actually rather than strangers which is great so hopefully we, we'll get three in a row for that Excellent winnerhouseandinnis.com your local club or your county board uh, local man or woman that's where you have to go to get your tickets for that uh, Chairman of Clergy Kieran Keating thanks for taking the time to talk to us this evening Now delighted to be joined by Eilish Considine to have a chat about a couple of things I guess but uh, firstly Eilish it's been a couple of weeks now since you announced that you were taking your your step back from Australian women's football after a very very successful stint in the sport Um, how has the last few weeks been since the decision any regrets? Um, No no regrets Um, but obviously it's a a big change in in my life with, with the past six years going over and back to Australia and been in that elite high performance environment so it's it's been a bit of a change coming back to West Clare and I suppose I probably picked a, picked a good time to come home like with Christmas it's a good distraction there's lots of people around and there's lots of things on so it hasn't felt too daunting as of yet but I, I suppose as January is moving on it's starting to feel a bit more like a reality I think that um you know I've stepped away from from one thing and have to kind of figure out what the next thing is and it's it's apt that you would come back to West Clare because while a lot of people have spoke about the move to Australia and, and all that, I mean, maybe one part of the story, and we would have been aware of it, was kind of the, the genesis of it, really, how it all came about. That um, the, the West Clare angle on it when you hit it over to Amsterdam for that tournament and, and your first bit of grow for the sport. Yeah, for sure. Like, it all kicked off with the West Clare waves um, back, geez, I think it was 2017, maybe. Yeah. Uh, if my memory is, is serving me well. Um, but yeah, that was kind of our first uh, introduction with Mike Curran and, and AFL Ireland at the time. And it was um, it was just something different. I think I, I'd been playing football in Camogie for so long and you kind of just, it's not that you get sick of it, but when something different comes along, you kind of, you, you go and appreciate the, the different skills and aspects that that sport brings. And that was kind of my first intro with Wester Gales and, or Wester Waves, I mean. And um, we were quite successful. So we managed to, to win the Europeans and we kind of won all the Irish tournaments too, which, I mean, it's it's nice to, to be winning things and that kind of kept the momentum going. And, and then shortly after, I was lucky enough to be um, a part of the cross-coders um, trials that, that headed over to Melbourne and lucky enough got picked up by, by the Crows over there and the rest is kind of history. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of apt that it all kind of comes back to West Air in the end. Um, so... It's kind of where where it all began, and it's where I began my football career and my hurling career and everything like that. So, it is nice that it kind of comes full circle back around again. And where it will finish as well, which we might talk about kind of towards the end, maybe because I know there's a lot of uh, considerations going around in your head at the moment. <laughs> we'll get an idea of where they're at in a while. But like I suppose it, it is apt as well. Uh, you mentioned Mike Curran; he's obviously a fellow Kilmehill man. And I remember at the time when you signed your contract with the Crows, he was keeping us updated. And like even all that seemed to happen very quickly. I know there was a, a quick flight to Adelaide as well at the time to get that contract signed. That kind of whirlwind nature of it, like what was that like to be kind of caught up in at the time? Yeah, like the whole thing ended up in a whole a whirlwind. I'm being really honest. Like six years, just there was so many ups and downs and ins and outs and everything in between. So, like that that initial time kind of set up my entire career. To be honest, it it just kind of set me up for massive like changes very quickly. And with the signing and then the little quick trip over to Adelaide, and thankfully Mike came with me because otherwise a whole lot of it would have gone over my head. Um, it was just bizarre. Like it was a whole different world. Like from the get go, the fact that you, you're traveling on a plane to get to the next state to to visit a club and then kind of over and back in the one day, it just kind of it brought the whole dream kind of thing to reality and kind of what the next couple of seasons. I mean, at the time, I thought it would only be one season. You know, could look like, um, and it was just yeah, it was mad. I didn't really have time to really adjust or think about it or or realize. I suppose the the big change that it was going to be, but I think. Like I, I always had the the moment of not panic, but kind of that realization on the plane over. It was always when I was taken off in Dublin that I realized what I was actually getting myself into, and I think that was probably one of the scariest parts going over to Adelaide, not knowing anyone. And um, when I had come home to kind of pack and and get everything sorted to go back over and head head over for the season, so it was daunting for sure. But I mean, it's it helped me grow as a person, like as a player. Um, 
and you know it's absolutely privileged to be part of um the Adelaide Crows team and, and North Melbourne in the end and and the opportunity that, that I've had to play in so many grand finals and, and come away with wins thankfully too. So um I was in a very privileged position after um you know that that very famous camp in in Melbourne with Mike by my side and Roscoe giving me that opportunity. What was it like then to kind of wake up one morning and realise my job is sport, my job is to train, my job is to play games? You know, like for anybody that's involved in it, to have that element of this is my profession, like it must be dream stuff. Well, like it never once felt like a job, like not not ever. And I think I always kind of had that mentality that sport was my number one, regardless of whether that was football, camogie, whether I was in college, whatever it was. Um, so like all my family and friends would tell me that I was a professional athlete, just without getting the money for it at, <laughs> at times um, back when I was playing football and Camogie for Clare. But um, yeah, like it, it honestly never felt like a job. It, like, of course, there's highs and lows of sport, but I grew up with that. So that felt normal to me. It didn't feel like any extra chore. And I love training. I love doing the individual stuff, I, I, which sounds bizarre, but I suppose you have to love what you do to enjoy it. And I did love doing the running sessions. I did love training on my own, even during COVID times when it was quite difficult to to manoeuvre everything and get over and back and I still was happy enough to be out running, doing running sessions, doing gym sessions, whatever it was. Um, so I just loved every minute of it and it was hard, don't get me wrong, like everyone knows the challenges of sports and especially when you're when you're away from home, all of that's quite heightened because you know you don't have your family support, you don't really have your friends support and you're constantly dependent on teammates um, to kind of look after you and sometimes you just need a break away from football at times in sport. Um, so it definitely came with its challenges for sure. But I think, I mean, I'm a very different person to the person that left back in 2018 to the person that I, that's here um, sitting in the car right now in, in 2024. Like I've had so many life experiences um, and I've had to do a lot of it on my own, which is, you know, has created a super amount of growth for me as a person and, and throughout my sporting career. And so you didn't, you'd, I mean, we hear of all the Irish that have been kind of scouted now to go to Australia, both men and women's. And like, there seems to be a kind of a conversation within the GA then that, oh, you know, we're losing them to Australia. Isn't it awful that they're going and all that kind of thing. But like then for someone like you that, that got to live that experience, I suppose you can look at it through a different prism and maybe realise the one-off opportunity it is for, for players to head over and, and have that part of their life. No, oh, for sure. Like it's, for someone that has experienced it, it's, it's a dream come true because it's it's everything that we want in the GA because we we put in so much time and effort into it and it's a huge commitment. Like you're you're nine months of the year committed to to playing for a team and it's essentially at the end of the day it's for pride because you know there's no financial gain there's no career direct career gain from from it so it's like the opportunity to play at such an elite level to be at your job to move halfway around the world to experience travel and new people and new cultures and a new sport it's just it's an incredible opportunity and like anyone that has the opportunity to do it I would highly recommend they go and do it because it's and I mean people might look at it negatively on the GA that they're losing all these players but they're actually they're creating these you know brilliant players that are ready made athletes so like it's actually a credit to the GA what they're doing for an amateur sport because at the end of the day it's never well not that it's never going to be professional but for now it's definitely going to remain amateur so I mean, I think it's it's a bit unfair on players if they get a bit of stick for for leaving to play a professional sport because at the end of the day it's kind of more of a career that you're looking on towards rather than a hobby, which essentially is what the GA is. Um, so it's a massive opportunity, and like it's a credit to the LGFA Camogie and and the GA, like the the caliber of athletes that they're producing. That you know we're just ready made to go straight over and play pretty much into a professional environment. And like and the opportunity to create memories as well. I mean, I'm just thinking there as you're talking about that lovely picture of yourself and your family over after the first grand final, I think it was. And, you know, the fact that you, you have medals in the back pocket and you've scored on those big days and all the rest of it. Like there's 20, 30, 40 years time when you're looking back on it. That'll be fresh as a daisy, won't it? It will. And especially that, that first grand final in 2019, I think that one was just the absolute dream because it was a dream I never thought I had um, because obviously growing up your your dream was to, to play in an Ar- play in an All Ireland at Croke Park with Clare and win it and for I came close uh, with with the intermediates in in twenty sixteen unfortunately we didn't get over the line but you know it was a dream come true to play in Croke Park and I was quite you know fulfilled with with that alone and then 
this was a dream that I never could have imagined to play in front of 53,000 people to be in Adelaide to win the grand final to score a goal for my family to be there to look around the stadium and see the green white and gold in the middle of the of the um, of Adelaide Oval so it was just absolutely incredible and it's it's something that that one particularly obviously the 22 was was a great win as well but the the 19 final was just it's something that I'll never be able to explain how it how it felt and the experience that it was. It was just absolutely incredible. What was the feeling like then when you were packing that suitcase and closing the zip on it for the last time in Australia? Was there, you know, a sense of gratitude for what you got to experience, a sense of sadness that it was over, or, or how did you view it? Yeah, like there's a bit of everything in there, and obviously at, at 31, like I, you know, there's there's still potential for me to play an um, elite sport or play high level sport. Like it wasn't through me not being able to continue anymore. I think it was just the time just felt right. Like in the sense that, I mean, with in the six seasons that I've been involved in in AFLW five with Crows and one with North, I've been involved in four grand finals and I've won two out of out of out of those. So played in three, won two, and been part of the fourth. So, I mean, as it goes, there wasn't a whole pile more to achieve in in the AFLW. Um, cycle for me and I think I had a pretty good run at it and especially my time at Adelaide I had a very very fortunate run with with how good the team was and how successful that we were um, so I don't know I kind of you never know when is the right time to finish up with something but I think I kind of I never wanted to finish because of an injury I kind of wanted to, to have to be able to call time in my career and as a sports person you don't really get that opportunity too often um, and I've seen it like through friends through like through family like that you don't sometimes get that opportunity to to make that decision and I think when I was fit and able when it felt right in some degree I kind of just bit the bullet really and went for it Um, We mentioned there so look you're you're back on on home soil for the moment anyway Um, what's in in, in the head in terms of plans for for both sport and everything else? Um, At the moment there's no major plans I'm just really trying to get my bearings a little bit um as I'm home, there's, there's a lot to decide in, in the sense of sport, career, living, travel. So there's there's a lot going on in, in, in my head at the moment and I'm a, a bit indecisive about it all. And I suppose it is, I'm a, I am only home um, just under a month at this stage. So I'm, I'm still kind of trying to figure out what what is next for me. But I'm definitely not ruling out sport as, as an avenue for me, but it's just figuring out whether or not I want to... Um, remain in Ireland for for the next for the foreseeable or if I want to head off travelling for a bit more Yeah well, I think uh, there's certainly a couple of uh, managers that would be interested in that decision so we won't put anyone on the spot but uh, I think <laughs> it would be a, a huge addition obviously um, we've seen though uh, Kayfit and Kilrush uh, yourself and Kevin Shalhoub there's uh, a good mm. old relationship there as well uh, you know the whole because you've been that professional athlete and as you said even before you became that sport was massive anyway so has that now become the lifestyle, you know, that kind of professional athlete lifestyle where training and fitness and, and well-being and all, that's just now a part of life? Yeah, it is. And to to be honest, it, it was part of life, um, even pre going out to, to Adelaide. Um, but it's really cemented cemented in, in my life um, at this stage. And it's it's my background for, for college as well. It's what I studied as well. So that kind of adds another element to it. But um, yeah, Kevin has been keeping me going, and Kevin has been great. Like he's he supported me all the way out through my my AFW career, and even during COVID when it was difficult times, he was always there as a helping hand to support. And um, I certainly wouldn't have been able to continue to be the athlete that I am without him. So big, big thanks and shout out to him if he's if he ends up listening to this. But um, it's yeah, it's just part of what I am now and who I am. And like since I've been home, I've been Nancy. He's, pretty much seen me every day I think anyway in the gym so I've, I've been still training the way like I keep fit as just a I think more mental thing at this stage so like I'm out doing my running sessions I'm still doing the gym like work so it's kind of yeah it's ingrained to me at this stage I feel it wouldn't feel right if I wasn't out running or or doing something in the gym so I mean it's just it yeah it's it's really important part of my life and it's something that I'll continue to do for as long as I'm able. Yeah, well, look, at we, we do hope that 2024 will see either uh, the saffron and blue or indeed the green and gold of Clamell featuring uh, in some part anyway, and we'll be certainly keeping an eye on that. But Eilish, thanks as ever for your time and, and the best of luck with whatever's next. Thanks very much, Jerry. Time now to finish the show with Greyhound Focus and Alan Troy. Claire FM's Greyhound Updates in association with Greyhound Racing Ireland.
because this runs deep. Good evening and welcome to this week's Greyhound Focus. The recent cold spell played havoc with Greyhound racing throughout the country over the last week and this affected the meeting at Limerick Greyhound Stadium which was scheduled for yesterday. From last weekend there was racing at Galway Greyhound Stadium on Saturday evening last and Pinnacle Venture recorded his first career success for Ballyvaughan's Michael Costello and Brian McMahon in an A8 graded contest. A homebred son of Burgess Bucks and Pinnacle Abbey, his winning time was 29.79. Tober native Jerry O'Donoghue, the butcher from Gort, was delighted with the fine performance of On The Radio. A son of Candle Night King and Pinnacle Blue, he recorded a fourth career success in 29.15. And it is not often you come across a greyhound that wins his or hers first five races. But that is exactly what Burnt Park JT achieved for the Brown clan from Kilmehill on Saturday evening. Under the ownership of Maria Brown, this son of former English Derby winner JT Jet and Secrets Vision stopped the clock in 18.02 for the 325 yards trip. Siobhan Garrahee from my near La Hinch has a promising youngster in the form of Cluny Ogan Sydney. A son of Droopy Sydney and Termana Rum, he took command from the third bend to Landis Biles in 3029 for the 550 yards trip. Trained by Tullis Doney Duggan, this was career win number four. And for this weekend, weather permitting, there are 11 graded races on the card in Galway on Saturday evening and Limerick Greyhound Stadium has 12 cards on offer with the second round heats of the Bourne Warrior at Stud A1-A2 sweepstake, the main attraction. That's all for this week, folks. Sláin agus bánacht. Alan, thanks very much indeed for that. That's where we have to leave you for this week. Another busy few days ahead. We'll keep you posted on it all, both on air and online here on Clare FM.